This is Tiger Woods earlier today, standing on the same Riviera tee box where he stood as a 16-year-old 31 years ago. Older, body put back together. Look at those chilly temps, Los Angeles. Tiger sends the ball airborne. Game day is tomorrow. Golf today starts now. Golf today. I'm playing in the event. I'm, I'm going to try and beat you. Um, I'm there to get a W. Okay, so. I don't understand that making a cut's a great thing. Um, I, if I enter the event, uh, it's always to, to get a W. And I, there, there will come a point in time when my body will not allow me to do that anymore. And it's probably sooner than later. Um, but wrapping my head around that, that, that transition and being an ambassador role and just playing and just trying to be out here with the guys, no, that's not in my DNA. Tiger coming to play and play he will with this marquee grouping, including pal and business partner Rory McIlroy and his good friend Justin Thomas. They get their first round started tomorrow, 3.04 p.m. Eastern time. Tomorrow, Golf Central pregame at 3 p.m. This is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Rex Hoggard. Buddy, you had a great idea this morning to look at Tiger Swing then and Tiger Swing this morning in his pro-am. When you think about the history of Tiger Woods in this event, and it's hard to wrap our minds around it, but the guy on the left and the guy on the right have the exact same number of victories at Riviera. What number is, is that? Zero. <laughs> it's a statistical impossibility that he would have been in 1992, the 140-pound high school, I think he was a sophomore at the time, mm. maybe a junior, and yet everything he had ahead of him, somehow he hasn't won here, and yet he's still chasing it. We just heard that sound. He showed up to win. Mm. I don't know what the expectations are for everyone else, but I love the fact that Tiger's mind is still in the same place it's always been. The 0 for 14, one of the great outliers in it. his incredible resume. How about the body change as well? Back then he had that kind of Hank Aaron, young, wisp body that could send the ball a, a million miles, that, that power, that, that youthful, limber frame. Well, I loved back then in 92, he talked about getting to that first tee, not really feeling any nerves until he actually took the club back, got right. to the top of the swing, felt like it was eight tons. I'm curious what it's going to feel like tomorrow morning yeah. because I, I married a girl from New Orleans. Okay. And so I, I picked up a lot of things that they say, and they call it lanyap in New Orleans. This is something added. This is something extra. I don't think any of us expected him to play this week. This is Lanyap for all his fans. Some might call it gravy. Well, Kira K. Dixon has been on the ground this morning watching Tigers program. Kira, what are your observations? Well, the first thing that Tiger said to me this morning was, oh, my God, it's cold. It was a, a bit of a chilly start, an early start for Tiger Woods and several members of the media, if I do say so myself. He started his day at about 3 a.m., got to the course by 5 a.m., did a 45-minute gym session, then went down to the range, warmed up for a bit, and then was first off at 6.30. And, guys, uh, I'm not uh, exaggerating. It was extremely cold, extremely windy. So, in Seeing how well he was swinging the club in terms of the conditions that we had this morning, I, it was extremely impressive. I, I walked with him for a bit, and he said, you know, the body feels good. The main thing that he worries about is inflammation in his ankle. If he can get that inflammation down, then he feels like he can compete with the best of them. And everything else you know, is really, really coming together in terms of um, the taping setup on his ankle. He's figured that out. He's got that down. Maybe a bit rusty in terms of just not getting those competitive rounds under his belt recently 
recently. But other than that, he, he seemed extremely confident. Uh, I asked him about the setup and he said that Riv is as perfect as he's ever seen it. Uh, the rough is not as up as he thought it was going to be. Rex, I know you, you said that it was pretty, pretty high stuff, but he thought it was going to be even more challenging. Uh, I saw him throw a bunch of balls down the runoff areas. Uh, they were rolling off the greens. So it's certainly going to play quite challenging for players. Uh, I asked him how involved he is with the setup as the tournament host. He said, generally, when I'm uh, not playing, I'm extremely involved with the setup. But as soon as he decided he was going to play, which he told me was a few weeks ago, he immediately removed himself from that process. Uh, and, and it's, again, as perfect as he's ever seen it. And in terms of the swing guys, it's feeling really good. Uh, it was again, extremely impressive considering how early he was out here this morning. And I saw him hit a seven iron out of deep rough into strong wind, shaping it left to right around a tree and put it to eight feet. So I would say so far so good. Pretty good start uh, for his pro-am, but how's he moving, Kira? The big walk down the hill at one, 44 degrees in Los Angeles. How's his body moving, in your opinion? <laughs> Yeah, the body was moving great. The, the walk seemed uh, seemed very fluid um, in the past. He's had a bit of a kind of like a pigeon toe uh, movement to to that leg because of everything that he's been through. But it was it was pretty straightened out and not much of a noticeable limp. It seemed like he was walking around pretty much like a normal golfer and the swing was extremely fluid. Uh, you know, the members of his team said, yeah, you know, this is legit. He's legitimately feeling really good. Uh, and everybody that that was watching and was there there uh, kind of had that same sentiment that uh, he's swinging the club, uh, maybe not to his exact standards, but fairly, fairly fluid and really good considering everything that he's been through and how early it was out here this morning. Kira K. Dixon reporting from Riviera. Tiger, by the way, making his way to the drivable par four, 10th hole. Rex, how about that 3 a.m. wake up call for a 6.30 a.m. pro-am going to the gym waking his body up as it were to get ready for a long day and what he hopes is a long week. He's talked about this a lot. This is the new norm for Tiger Woods. I mean, it takes a lot to get him ready, get him ready for a round of golf. I know the NFL gave out MVP awards last week, but I want to give out two this morning. One to our own Kira Kay, who was out sure. there early right before, even without a jacket on, as you pointed out, it was quite <laughs> chilly. And the other one's got to go to Tiger's training staff. I mean, I'll, I talked about it yesterday, but I don't think you can dismiss the idea of everything he has to go through to get ready for a round. I remember uh, my colleague Ryan Lavner did this story a few years ago at Augusta National about wh what does it take to get you ready for a round of golf. His trainer, Colby Tullier, he has to be there at 3 a.m. He has to make sure he's ready. He's, it's going to be different from day to day. Yeah. Tigers pointed this out. Good days, bad days. And even if it's a bad day, you still have to make it to the first tee and you still have to play. And so I, I think we cannot overlook how important this is going forward for Tiger Woods. Yeah, Tiger gave a lot of credit to his team last year in getting him ready for the Masters. Never get the buzz on that Monday. What does it tell you about his tolerance for pain, his acceptance of the work that he has to put in? Because we've been covering him for decades now, but I still feel like I'm learning new things about the depth, the reservoir of pain tolerance, of his willing to put his body through whatever it takes to be on the golf course to compete against the best players in the world. I thought it was fascinating yesterday. He was talking about 
the distinct injuries he's had over the course of his career. And it's a long list. We can, we can sit here and check them off for the next 30 minutes if you want to. But the ones that stood out to me were the knee injury. Of course, we go back to 2008, Toy Pines winning the U.S. Open there. That one, he made it clear, I can grind my way through that. Like, that was not going to stop him. We've seen it over the course of his career. That one was never going to slow him down. The back injury was debilitating to hear him talk about how he couldn't grind through that one. There yeah. was nothing he could do. This is the same guy that looked the doctors in the face before that 2008 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines and said, I'm playing. I don't care what you said. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you think it's a bad idea. He couldn't do that with the back injury. And I think this is very, very similar. We look late last year going into the Bahamas event, the Hero World Challenge. That event's on a flat golf course. Right. It's warm. He, he could have really gone out and played that one. It shows how difficult that injury is for him that he wasn't able to tee it up. A lot, lot of smiles from Tiger so far mm -hmm. on this Wednesday morning out in Los Angeles. Anything that you see change your thoughts on what might be possible this week in terms of how he's moving, how he's swinging, his, his body language, his smile, anything that gives you a tell on what we might be seeing tomorrow and going forward? I think today would be the worst of the conditions, you would think. He's not right. going to tee off again at 6.30. I mean, I believe the tee times start the earliest at 7.30 out at Riv. So he won't have to deal with that. Tomorrow it's a midday. I think it's about 12.30. Yeah. His time, when you look at the tee time, it'll be warmer. It'll be easier for him to get the body moving. He won't have to wake up at yeah. 3 a.m. I think it's more optimistic. Listening to him talk yesterday, he was cautiously optimistic. He's been here before. I think in this particular case, they probably set it up as good as they can for him. You showed that tee time. Keep in mind, he played here in 2018 and 2019 at Riviera with JT and Roy. I, I think the host has a comfortable pairing. I, th yeah. I think he kind of talked to someone about that. Maybe. 304 with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas does not get more designated than that. Stay with us, folks. World number one in Masters Camp. Scotty Scheffler will defend his title in April, but the question that looms on everyone's mind is the champion's dinner as live players will be in attendance. On the other side of the break, hear what Tiger had to say about this upcoming reunion. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. on golf today Super Bowl Sunday Scotty Scheffler went back-to-back -back at the WM Phoenix Open to capture his fifth career PGA Tour win and his first since the Masters last April and with the win Scheffler returned to the top spot in the official world golf ranking overtaking 
Rory McIlroy in the process. Now, Scheffler gets his first round started tomorrow at 3.15 p.m. Eastern time alongside Jordan Spieth and Colin Morikawa. Scheffler met the media on Tuesday and was asked about the current landscape of the pro game following a turbulent year. Well, first of all, I felt like last year there was so much talk surrounding Liv at this event. I mean, as, as you guys know, there was just a lot of noise. Um, and this year I feel like we're kind of more settled in to the ecosystem of golf. Um, I think our tour is doing a good job of um, improving and continuing to benefit the top players and all across the board with our membership. And uh, I think that's really what we're focused on now. Last year it was a lot of drama. It was like, well, who's going to go – when and oh I'm not going now this guy's going and it's like all this stuff is is going on around us and it was kind of hard to focus on the tournament but now um I feel like we've settled in a, a bit but it's still a bit weird that that certain guys aren't here you're gonna have to choose a dinner that is gonna appease everybody at the champions dinner and won't I don't think everyone is anticipating a, a very light mood that night are you thinking about basically what you will say to those guys when there's gonna be a bunch of live guys in attendance yeah, I haven't looked that far ahead. Um, I definitely, I don't know exactly what you're supposed to say that night. I, I haven't really gotten too much info. I got to talk to a few of the guys and figure out what, what actually goes on that night because I'm still kind of clueless. But um, I'm hoping that it'll be a fun night. I mean, gathering all those guys together in a room, I mean, that should be a lot of fun. It's a historic group of people, the Masters champions, and I'm sure that we can all put our personal opinions aside and just have a good night and kind of enjoy what what the night really is on the topic of the champions dinner tiger woods was asked on tuesday about the return of live golfers to the masters in april the champions dinner is going to be obviously something that's uh, talked about you know we we as a whole um need to honor scotty you know scotty's the winner it's his dinner and so making sure that the Scotty gets honored correctly, uh, but also realizing just the, the nature of you know, what has transpired and the people that who have, have left and um, just where our situations are, uh, either legally, uh, emotionally, um, there's a lot there. The past year since, if, if you go back to this week at Genesis last year to where it's at now, we all have to say it's been tur very turbulent. Um, we never would have expected the game of golf to be in this situation, um, but it is. That's the reality. And we're, we're, I was alluding to you, trying to create the best product. Obviously, they're a com competitive organization trying to create their best product they possibly can, and we're trying to create the best product that we think the future of the golf, how it should be played. Um, how do we do that? We're still working on that. And we have so many of the top players that are aligned and how do we support our world partners in, in the DP World Tour? Um, we need to have our top players understand that we need to play around the world and, again, create the best product possible. And it's, it's, an, it's been an ebb and flow. I mean, it really has. And it's been difficult. There's, there's no lie. I mean, you've seen our, our ambassador, Rory, go through it. I mean, it's been tough on him. And, but it's been exceptional. He's been exceptional. Be able to go through all that. I've been with him on all these conference calls and his, his side meetings, and for him to go out there and play and win, uh, it's been incredible. Champions Dinner at Augusta National is as sacrosanct an event as there is in our game. It is a holy day. It is green jackets and memories and laughs. I hope that the heaters 
on the upstairs of Augusta National Clubhouse are, are fired up because it could be chilly in that room on Tuesday evening. I think it is. And, li and just hearing Scotty talk specifically, we talked yesterday about his Texas roots. And it's important to point out that Ben Crenshaw sort of runs the show. He's the unofficial MC of that Champions Dinner. And we all know Ben. Like, he's not going to let this turn into kind of one side of the room versus the other side of the room. I don't see that happening. It's a very, very special night. You're right. It's part of the fabric that is Augusta National. But if you look at what's transpired over the last year, the DP World Tour is probably the best comp on this because you've had numerous occasions where live players have mixed with non-live players. I was at the BMW PGA last year in London, and it was chilly. The locker room wasn't warm. You didn't see these players slapping each other on the back, having a good time, but it was also respectful. I think mm. we're still professional golfers. And they still respect each other on some level, so I would expect the same thing. But, yes, when you look specifically at the players who are going to be at that dinner, when you talk about Phil Mickelson, who, again, goes back to what Tiger just said, it was a year ago tomorrow that this sort of unraveled, and that story surfaced on the Fire Pit Collective website where Phil was critical of both the PGA Tour and Live Golf. I'm sure there's going to be some things said under breath that's I mean, going to be uncomfortable. Patrick Reed at the tip of the spear of litigation. Sergio Garcia can't wait to get out of the PGA Tour. Phil Mickelson and Fred Couples used to be as close as two people could be in the game of golf. Great friends. Talk about sports all the time. Share, travel together. Friendships have been fractured. I just don't see how it's going to work. It'll be, we'll hear some things, I'm sure, on Wednesday morning. The reporters will want to know what happened, what it was like. Maybe Scotty gives a great speech and, and cooler heads prevail. But my goodness, you're talking about some very strong, opinionated people that will be on both sides of that fracture in this professional game. Sergio, Patrick, you know, Phil Mickelson are not shrinking violets, especially Phil Mickelson. I don't see him walking around the room, you know, with his tail between his legs. I think he'll be chest out and defending his side of the turf, as it were. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, just go back a few weeks, what happened with Dubai, between Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed. Right. That is about as nasty and mean as this game gets, and yeah. it's just a tee flicked in the wrong direction is essentially what it boiled down to. However, it does show the animosity between these two sides. And when you talk about some of the people in the room, Phil Mickelson has been very outspoken, continues to be very outspoken. I did this story late last year where I kind of talked about these fractured relationships, and the one I sort of focused on was Hudson Swafford and Brian Harmon. Right. I mean, these are two very good friends from the University of Georgia days. They both live on St. Simons Island. It was amazing to me how this had become so personal. The other side of that, the guys who didn't go to live still love Dustin Johnson. Yeah. I mean, there is no animosity there. So I think this has a lot to do with the lawsuit. It probably didn't help that Roy McIlroy was served the night before. I think it was on Christmas Eve. And I, I think you're going to end up with some very awkward situations regardless. Mm. Does that awkwardness end on Thursday? Do you think that, no. as has happened sometime in the past, that the tournament takes over, the, the tee shots and the grandeur of, of the Masters tournament kind of goes front and center and, and the rest of the questions, whether it be when the Tigers return or, or membership questions or now PJ Tour versus Live, does that fade in the background or does it pop back up if – Cameron Smith is on the leaderboard uh, astride from Rory McIlroy. Well, let me flip this on you because we saw this just a few weeks ago. It didn't end on Thursday for Rory McIlroy when he was going head-to-head -head with Patrick Reed. Right. And if we end up with a similar scenario, because there's enough players in this field now. You have Cam Smith. You have Dustin Johnson. You have Patrick Reed. You can easily envision a scenario where you have a live player going up against a non-live player on Sunday afternoon. No, it does not fade away. Yeah, not sure if the, the professional game loves the New York Tabs. We'll love a little controversy come the week. Headline writers. Headline Certainly writers as well. 
Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Time now for odds and ends. Welcome our good buddy, Paige McKenzie. Paige, we have to start with the tournament host and the man of the hour, Tiger Woods. Your thoughts? That's a big, big number. That's a huge number. I don't know if I've ever expected to see a number like that next to Tiger Woods' name. And probably not the best way to play Tiger Woods if you wanted to put a little money on the action this week. Uh, I think maybe now's the, the opportunity to put your money where your mouth is as it relates to the question of, would you ever bet against Tiger? Well, would you ever bet for Tiger? Because right now, for him to make the cut, you're looking at pretty good odds at plus 180 uh, to make the cut. Now, it's only good if you think he's going to make the cut. Otherwise, you can see exactly what the sports books are saying at minus 235 to miss the cut. Paige, my friends are what they call a coward as a better, so I'm always going to go with chalk. Give me your thoughts on John Rahm, who, of course, is the favorite this week. Yeah, I mean, I love what John Rahm's been doing in his level of consistency. He's had nine consecutive top tens, so that's why I prefer him for a top ten play versus an outright win, mostly due to the fact that we saw him scrambling a ton last week at the Waste Management or WM Phoenix Open. And because of that, I don't, unless he straightens out the driver and some of the ball striking to get himself more on track, I don't know if I see a value at plus 700 for him to win outright. But I don't mind looking at him for a minus 10 top 10, mostly because even though he could be a little bit wild off the tee, uh, at Riviera, it's not a punishing golf course. Even though it's got some good rough and it's tree-lined, it is the easiest or the smallest missed fairway penalty of any golf course since 2015 that the, uh, the PGA Tours players have faced. So not a huge penalty if you do not hit these fairways. Uh, so for that reason, even though he was scrambling a bit, it may not cost him as much here as it would at some of the other notable golf courses across the PGA Tour. You can see Sawgrass at nearly uh, 0.42 strokes for every missed fairway. That's a fantastic information page. I don't know if you know this. I picked Scotty Scheffler in my one and done league last week. So I'm extremely happy. I'm out front starting the year the right way. So if you don't like Rom for an outright, who's someone you would take? Because I would like to go back to back, go two for two. Well, it's funny you should say this because uh, my one and done league this week, I'm taking Max Homa, who I think is another alternative for an outright champion at 18 to one. I think there's pretty good value there. But if you don't 
necessarily play and outright and you're looking for a little bit of value you've got a two to one for a top 10 and for Max Homa he won here again in 2021 he is I would say a different player even since then for PGA Tours since that PGA Tour wins since that win and if you kind of look at his history six-time winner on the PGA Tour of course the most recent a couple of weeks ago they are coming at places that he's won multiple times. He won the Wells Fargo twice, two different golf courses, and then he won the Fortinet at Silverado twice. So maybe he'll get a second win here or at least two for one for a top 10. Now, I look at Victor Hovland, who has had success at that other event that's also hosted by Tiger Woods in the Bahamas. Does that success carry over at Riviera? I wouldn't say that that carries over, but perhaps his recent or his recent success here may carry over. Uh, horses for gore, courses play here with Victor Hovland, a tied for fourth, a tied for fifth for Victor Hovland. Uh, the last two times he's played this event, so perhaps if you're looking for a player that has a good record at this golf course, he might be one that you keep your eye on. And for a plus 130 or plus 125 for a top 20, uh, you get plus money for Victor Hovland. He's the 11th ranked player in the world, a place that he's played well. I feel like there's serious value right there. Any other best bets? Any other names we should be paying attention to? <laughs> yeah, I always like to kind of look down the list at who's playing well, but maybe not top of the radar for somebody that's an outright. And I like Wyndham Clark. Uh, he's coming into this week off a top 10 at the WM Phoenix Open, as well as his current highest world rank ever. Even a year ago, he was around 250 in the world, now 123rd. And he's so he's trending in the right direction. His seven consecutive made cuts, and three of those are top 20s. So if you're looking at him at top 20 plus 210, I like that value. It was even better last night if you happen to snag it at plus 290 last night for Wyndham Clark for a top 20. Uh, I loved that number, but even at plus 210 for a top 20, I like Wyndham Clark here. And, and it, you know, you know, Damon, I like to find any little angle of why a player might play well here. Uh, I listened to last night, I think it was Fred Couples on Champions Tour Instagram talking about how his memories of Riviera reminded him a bit of growing up in Seattle. Well, Wyndham Clark went to college at University of Oregon. So if there's any visuals that may be similar from an old school tree line golf course, maybe Wyndham Clark can find some familiarity at Riviera. He's played well here. He was disqualified last year, but of the two other starts that he had here, an eighth place finish and a tied for seventh place finish. So maybe he's kind of harnessing what Fred Couples has also harnessed, where a little Pacific Northwest mag magic filters its way down to Southern California. Fred Couples, PJ Tour Champions Radio. That is some deep research, Paige. Great stuff. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Tiger Woods had an early wake-up call in Los Angeles. 3 a.m. today, hit the gym for about 45 minutes. That's right, a little shredding. Got his body moving, arrived at Riviera for his pro-am round, hitting a tee shot. About 6.30 a.m. local time and temperatures in the mid-40s. That's right, warmer in Stamford, Connecticut. Tiger is on the golf course right now. Golf Today continues now. Golf Today. From Cypress, California, amateur Tiger Woods.
92 in play, but to, to come here with my dad, this was the second professional event I ever went to besides San Diego, coming up here and watching the guys play. It's incredible for me to have played in this event at 16 years old, and now to have this event, to have the status that we have, it's just so special. Wow, 1992, Michael Jordan ruled the world, and golf's Michael Jordan was just getting started. How about his tee time, though, this week, tomorrow, alongside Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, 3.04 p.m. Eastern time. This is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Rex Hoggett. Buddy, we're in early days of this designated event time on the PJ Tour. I like what I'm seeing so far. I'm excited when I see a tee time like that. Call me crazy. Well, just go back to the first two. It's proof of concept at this point, right? Yeah, John Rahm when the first one in Maui. Yeah, yeah. him going head to head with some of the best players in the world. And then, of course, in Scottsdale, that was a zoo. That was a party. It was the greatest show on green grass. Whatever you want to call it. But that's what you get when you put the tour's best players together consistently, more and more often. And that's yeah. what they've been trying to get to. WM so big. It's the it's the greatest show on grass and the greenest show. On grass. Either either works. Either works. Either yeah. works. Especially when the, the big game's in town. I <laughs> no mean, doubt. I can factor all those things into it. But it took us so long to get to this point where you, you don't really understand exactly what it's going to be. I had a tour official kind of explain what they're working on right now and what they're trying to come up with going forward is like trying to build a plane while it's in the mm. air. So it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some things they're probably going to have to adjust. We saw it with the FedEx Cup for yeah. years. They're still adjusting it. But I think where they're going, the concept is good for the PGA Tour. Yeah, Phoenix was a lot of fun. The good times roll on in Los Angeles. Fantastic strength of field at the Genesis Invitational. You're talking about nine of the top ten, 23 of the top 25 in the official World Golf Ranking, OWGR, as the insiders call it. All the top 30 players, by the way, in the FedEx Cup standings. Tiger making his first official worldwide start since the 150th Open at the Old Course. And as we look at the designated events, you mentioned it, Rom winning on Maui. Scotty getting it done in Phoenix. And more to come. Look at the month of February. Stacked old-school courses, wonderful venues. Going to be a lot of fun. Now, Tiger spoke about the future of these designated events on Tuesday. We've had three already, and I, I think it's been received. It, it's, there's obviously mixed emotions about it. Um, but from a, a marketing side of it and from the tour side of it and the future of our sport, it's been very positive. And we need to keep going with it and keep staying aligned and keep progressing and making it better. Uh, we need to produce the best product we possibly can to sell to all the viewerships. Um, and, and there's so many different distractions out there now. Um, you, there's so many different options that you have now. And so it's about us creating the, the best product so that we have more eyes on it. Um, we have more stars. Uh, people want to come out and either come out and watch, this game, watch the game of golf, participate um, either on social media or the different streaming platforms. Just the fact that they're able to you know, watch our sport. So in order to do that, we have to create the best product. And that's what we're trying to do. Mixed emotions. Have you gotten a chance to talk to to guys that have different types of emotions? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it, it runs it runs the gamut, and um, from top players to players who are you know obviously have injuries or the fact that you have guys are, are, are journeymen or back and forth. Yes, I've I've talked to the whole gamut, and there's as I said, there's mixed emotions. But at the end of the day, we're trying to create the best product, and how do we do that? Um, that's what we're, we're trying to do, and we're still figuring it out. And we have a lot of the top players that are aligned 
since the Delaware meeting, and we were trying to create that atmosphere of across the board and understand that players need to be able to have access and, and ability to, to play at these elevated events, and how do we do that? Uh, we want to create the next stars. Um, I was lucky enough to get a sponsor exemption here at 16 years old, and so is that possible in that, that new model? Uh, we need to create opportunities like that. Um, so, you know, I, I look, the, look back and then I got lucky and I was able to play in this event. Byron Nelson asked me to play in his event. Um, Arnold asked me to play in his event. So I got those opportunities very early in my career. And you know, we don't want the next stars to not have those opportunities. We are in the process of figuring all that out. I mean, it's been a variety of different models, different opinions. Um, trying to figure out what is the best product and competitive environment and uh, what we should do going forward. Um, yes, limited fields, what's the number? Cuts, yes or no. What's the number, what do we go to? Um, how many players are playing in the event? Um, it, there, there is, okay, what is the, the ability to get into the designated events? Uh, what is it? How, do, how, does, how is Jay able to sell our, our product to all the different sponsors across the board? It, there's so much give and take, and uh, it's, it's still ongoing. I mean, it, it, it really has. It's, it's been difficult. Um, we've, a lot of the players have been very forthright, which is great. It's what it should be. Um, we are a players-run organization. And so, yes, we should have the voice and ultimate say, but we're trying to help our commissioner create what he can sell so that all of us can benefit. It's Tiger on Tuesday at Riviera. Creating stars and creating opportunities. That sounds like two different things. Cuts, no cuts. There's a lot that's going to have to be determined going forward and what these designated events look like. Well, I, I love the verbiage that he used. So mixed emotions, and he used that a couple of times because this really is mixed emotions, and I feel like on some level he's speaking truth to power on this one because what we ended up with, the changes... The designated events we just got through talking about. This is all about making sure you get the game's top product. Yep. It's top stars together more often at the biggest events, and it's, that's to ward off the threat that is live golf. Let's just say it for what it is. The opposite of that is, of course, there's going to be the rank and file on the PGA Tour who will probably not end up in those designated events. Right. So let's, let's look forward to next year's schedule. 31 events, essentially, is what we're kind of looking at there. Of the designated events, outs, anyone that's outside the top 70 probably isn't going to get in to many of those. So what now, are they going to do? So now you're having this conversation about how you make these two sides fit together. Right. I don't think there's anyone on the PGA Tour, whether that's sitting in an office in Ponte Vedra or a player, regardless of where they are in the FedEx Cup points list, who would tell you they didn't need to have to come up with something. We needed to have an answer to what Live Golf is. How do you make those two fit together? The idea that they can't fit together, I think that's a false equivalency. I don't think it's fair to say we can't make it work, but it's going to take some time, and I think Tiger is sort of alluding to that right now. Who, who is this middle class? The viewers should know. Like, who are we talking about? We know who Tiger is. We know Rory. We know, we know John Rom, Scotty Shuffer. We're going to see him. Those guys are going to be okay. But what about that number 100? You know, who is that player, and what does he want? Well, and this isn't fair because you always feel like you're picking on that guy. When you say middle class on the PGA Tour, you're still one of the top 1% of on the planet yes, for of sure. people who can play golf. 
the one that immediately comes to mind is James Hahn. And look, he's been as outspoken as anyone on this. And I take him at his word, and I take it there is an appreciation. He was on the policy board. He knows how these meetings go. He knows what the PGA Tour is trying to do. And he also knows how this is going to impact that middle class that we talk about. When you look at how he has specifically reacted to things on social media, recently. I think he understands better than anyone that there's going to have to be a melding here, that we cannot go to just the idea that, okay, these top 20 are the most important 20, and that's all that matters going forward. I'll, I'll go to, uh, it was, a, net, it was a, a special on Apple TV recently. It was Super League, and it was the war for soccer. Mm. And it essentially came down to the idea, this was a few years ago, they wanted to create something very, very similar in soccer to what LibGolf wants to create in, for our game. And right. in that particular instance, it was going to be all the top teams. It was going to be Liverpool and Man U and Real Madrid. And it was going to be sort of this top 20 idea without any meritocracy. No way to play your way up or play your way down. The fans pushed back. I think golf, uh, the establishment in soccer pushed back. You're seeing the exact same thing in mm. golf. They're going to have to find some sort of middle ground to make that work. I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. To Tiger's point, I think they are still struggling with exactly what the fields at these designated events will look like. Yeah. I have heard that you're talking about top 70, yeah. but maybe you expand beyond that. I do know, and I've had multiple sources tell me this, we'll probably end up with fewer designated events next year. Interesting. Because you're reaching a tipping point of what the players are willing to play. Yeah. I think right now, for the top players, we've heard John Rahm talk about this. He doesn't. He isn't crazy about the idea of having to play 20 events plus whatever he does on top of that. Yeah. So I think they're going to have to come up with a better number. Yeah. But as what the fields look like, that is still a work in progress. Yeah, lots to still be determined. Tiger Woods, of course, playing in his pro-am right now on the 14th hole at Riviera. Is this going to be harder than the Tiger-Phil era when, when the discussion was, well, what do we do with the fall offense? Because this is an old argument. You can go back to the, the Hogan era who wondered whether anyone outside the top ten should even be paid. I mean, this is not a new conversation in professional golf. I guess my question is, is this a harder conundrum to solve? I think they're going to have to walk a very, very fine and delicate line on this because, mm. again, no one's going to sit here and debate that we don't have to get the top players together more often. That's why they did this. Playing for bigger purses. Yes. We all like it. We've seen it the last like couple it. of weeks. Yep. It works. But you also have to be cognizant of the idea. Three years ago, there aren't many people either in this building or in our audience who knew who Scotty Scheffler was. Two years ago, there weren't many people who knew who Will Zalatoris was. There has to be that pathway, that avenue. Yeah. So you get that fresh infusion of faces. Cam Young, you can keep going down the list. Yeah. There has to be some way for these players to play their way onto the PGA Tour and to become stars. If not, you end up with 20 players, and eventually those 20 yeah. players become stale. Why do you think Tiger has taken on such a vocal role in this fight? You couldn't have told me 15, 20 years ago that Tiger would ever be flying to Delaware to, to hang out. And I like Delaware, by the way. I've driven through it a lot. Beautiful water, bridges, gorgeous. I'm, I'm just saying. Unintended Tiger, shot uh, unintended. Delaware. I like Delaware very much, but I didn't expect Tiger Woods to take time out of his life and schedule to become a hub, a voice, a, you know, put his weight on the scale in this discussion to protect the PGA Tour. To your point, neither Phil Mickelson nor Tiger Woods ever served on the policy board. Throughout Boom. the course of their careers, they're top players, and they did not feel alpha like males. It's very important. That has changed dramatically. Roy McIlroy is now sitting on the policy board, and there's a reason behind that. He wants to be part of the change. The part that I would go to, and, and, and it's a fascinating sort of story how this plays out. You go back to Delaware, and however Rory and Tiger walked into that room, I went back to 1994. When Greg Norman first came up with the idea of the World League concept, he got a group of the top players together. It was in L.A., ironically enough, where we are this week. 
That was different. I have spoken with people who were in that meeting in 1994 and who were in the meeting in Delaware. And the difference is, in 1994, Arnold Palmer did stand up, and he mm. did say that he wanted to protect what they had built with the PGA Tour. By all accounts, Jack's only issue with a World Tour concept was he didn't like playing the week before a major championship. That was it. Mm. He wasn't here for legacy, which we all talk about. He wasn't here to protect the game or the tour that they had built. Yeah. The difference is, when Roy and Tiger walked into that meeting in Delaware, they had the blueprint. Wow. They had the agenda. They were going to run this show, and this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're doing it. It's a vastly different dynamic. Now. Yeah, fascinating times in the game. We should talk about pathways and opportunities to the PGA Tour. I think our next guest will ultimately be on the PGA Tour. We're talking about Gordon Sargent. He's going to hop on this show. He's already won an NCAA individual title. He won the East Lake Cup. He's headed to Augusta National in April for the first time. He's also adding another impressive line to his resume. We'll explain next. Last May, Gordon Sargent of Vanderbilt as a freshman won the NCAA Men's Individual Golf Championship at Greyhawk, Scottsdale, Arizona. Sargent made a five-footer for birdie on the first hole of a four-man playoff from the ninth freshman ever to win the championship, and he's kept on winning. He won his fourth collegiate title at the Hate last week and that victory lifted him to number one in the wagger the world amateur golf ranking for the first time in his career by improving two spots number one he earned two more points in pga tour university accelerated bringing his total to 12 if he reaches 20 points by the end of his junior season spring of 2024 he will earn pga tour membership and gordon joins us on this Wednesday. So first of all, congrats on number one. How much grief are you going to get from the guys, your teammates, now that you're the number one ranked amateur in the world? Thank you. Um, yeah, I've already gotten a little bit. They told me they were calling me number one all day today. So um, we've got a black and gold match here out at the course. So maybe a little bit of grief from given from them. Now, Gordon, I have read this story, and I know you've told it before, but I want to hear it right now live on TV. When you get the phone call, I believe it was the day after New Year, from Augusta National that you've gotten the Masters invitation. What was your reaction when you looked down at your phone and you see that on caller ID, and what were your emotions afterwards? Uh, well, first reaction was, I guess i got to answer it, even though I don't know who this is. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience, and I just remember, like, the next couple hours kind of, like, going through my mind and just – I mean, I just didn't really have any desire to do anything else besides just kind of continue to think about it. So I remember I tried to go out to the golf course and play golf, but I just, like, wasn't in the right frame of mind to be practicing or anything like that. But, um, you know, it was pretty surreal and took a few days to sink in for sure. Well, part of the reason you're going to Augusta, the speed you generate with your swing, club head speed in the 130s, ball speed in the 190s, how much is that work and how much is that just God-given? Uh, it's definitely a little bit of a mixture of both. I just remember like being on the smaller side when I was younger and kind of having to learn how to create some distance and use the speed. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's a little, a mixture of both. I, once I kind of matured a little bit, I just continued to continue to try and hit it further and, um, kind of gotten to where I was today. Gordon, we just had a very long conversation about making sure that the younger players have a pathway to the PGA Tour, and I know PGA Tour U is still very new, but what do you make of those opportunities? Yeah, it's great. Um, it's kind of only gotten better for us college players. We uh, There are so many incentives to stay in college and continue to play good golf. Um, everyone says college is the best time of your life, so we're all just not really rushing it. Kinda, and the opportunity to be able to gain a PGA Tour card while just playing college golf is, is really special. 
Um, and I think it's a huge testament to the PGA Tour and all they're doing for college golf. You were in the offices right now of Vandy coach Scott Limbaugh, your coach. He said in an article with our Brentley Romine that you have such high demands that it sets a standard for everybody else on the team. What do you demand of yourself? I think as a team, just in general, we demand the highest of each other each and every day. Um, we hold each other accountable, and um, we know that kind of if we want to be where we want to be at the end, uh, we're going to have to do the little things right um, day in and day out. So just not overlooking those small things each day of practice and carrying them over the course is, I think, what our biggest demands are, and um, just making sure we keep the right attitudes and um, the right mindset going forward. I believe you also told our Brentley Romine that the plan right now, at least, is to stay at Vanderbilt through your junior year. I would be curious, with everything that's going on in professional golf right now and the opportunities, whether if that's PGA Tour U or whatever else may be available to you, would that any chance that you would change your mind on that? Well, with, with all the PGA Tour U stuff, I think it doesn't make any sense to leave early right now, especially considering, like, after four years, you just if you have a PGA Tour card waiting for you, I, I don't think there's any better scenario, um, especially if you're playing your senior year of college with PJ Tour card, like knowing that you have that waiting for you. So um, right now the plan is still to stay all four years and just kind of see what happens from there. Gordon, I'm curious, you have an important week coming up in April when you compete at the Masters. Uh, who are you going to line up for, for a practice round, get a little advice, a little look-see around Augusta National? Um, I'm not 100% sure yet. Hopefully play with the people like Rory and Rom who have had success there and um, kind of know what it takes to get it done and then hopefully kind of play with Justin, hope maybe Tiger, see if he's interested. Um, but, yeah, just kind of pick the brains of everybody and see what they have to say. Along those same lines, I know you've played Augusta National before, but what are you looking forward to the most that week? I think just playing in front of so many people. Um, it'll be pretty cool and a little nerve-wracking at first for sure. But um, playing Augusta National in Masters conditions and in the Masters scenario, I don't, I don't think there's anything better. So I'm just looking forward to the whole week in general. Gordon, buddy, you're just getting started. Congrats on all you've accomplished and best of luck going forward. Thank you. Appreciate it. Back on golf today, this week's tour stop at Riviera includes a very special honor for one player in the field. Awarded since 2009, the Charlie Sifford Memorial Exemption has been given to a golfer representing a minority background to play in the Genesis. Tiger Woods developed a very close relationship with Charlie Sifford through the years, so much so that Tiger named his son after Sifford and in his Presidential Medal of Freedom speech referred to Charlie Sifford as Grandpa, saying he was like the grandpa I never had. Flashback to just a few weeks ago when Marcus Bird took the title in the APGA Tours Farmers Insurance Invitational by five shots. Bird took home a $30,000 winner's check while also earning a spot in the upcoming Honda Classic. He's this year's Charlie Silver Memorial Exemption. Talked about what it means to go the game yesterday. Hey, Marcus, being here and being the Charlie Sifford exemption recipient and being at Tigers tournament, I just wanted to ask you about the role of representation. You alluded to it a little bit of being able to inspire people back home. Just talk about the role and what you see as your opportunity to inspire people to get into the game of golf who maybe look like you. Yeah, um, that's what it's all about, right? It's about the game being inclusive and about giving kids hope because that's what um, that's what I've always dreamed of and to big it to the PGA Tour. So to be able to sit here and, and see little kids who look up to me and, you know, they have a dream and they they want to be able to uh, to kind of do the same things I'm doing from where I'm from, it's it means more to me than just being a professional golfer. You know, it's changing lives. And, you know, for 
for me, it's just having the opportunity to do that. Companies like ISCO and ADP and Stout, they've been amazing in helping me pursue my dream and my goals. And just to be able to show these kids that you can be just like me in these shoes. And um, that's what it's all about. It's about bringing more people to the game and making it, making it more approachable. And I think when you get more people that look like me and more people who can, you know, spread that and uh, spread the love of the game that way, that's more important than anything else. And I think that's what the game of golf is really about. Marcus Bird with the exemption this year. Aaron Beverly, Sacramento strong. Willie Mack III making his way on the Corn Ferry Tour. Joseph Bramley, Camp Champs, and the names you know. J.J. Spawn as well. How about Timothy O'Neill? His buddies call him Tim and playing the game for a long time. He was a recipient of the Charlie Siffer Memorial exemption back in 2019. And back in December, earnest. TJ Tour Champions Tour card through Q School. What a gauntlet that it was. He birdied four of his last six holes to shoot a final round 65, finished tied for third, lock up a card, and this week making his debut in the Chubb Classic. And he's in Naples right now for the first time, I'm told. Tim, thanks for joining us. You're at the Chubb, but you just got back from Morocco. For those who've never been to Morocco, what was that journey like from a cultural standpoint? Uh, well, uh, I've been in Morocco before in 2012, but getting the chance to go back was was awesome. Um, didn't play as well as I would like, but um, hopefully uh, I'll be back next year and I'll be able to redeem myself. But I had a great time. Flight was a little long, but glad to be back in the States, and, and now I'm here getting ready for the chub. Now, Tim, we were just talking about Marcus playing this week at Riviera on the Sifford Exemption Award. You've done that before. What advice would you give him? Uh, just soak it all in. Um, Riviera is a great golf course. Um, and just go out there and have fun, relax and as much as you can and play your game. Um, you know, uh, I enjoyed my time playing there. And, uh, man, he, he should have a good time. Marcus has the game for it. He's long, can putt. Um, he has all the tools. So just relax and, and play his game. And I'm, I'm sure he'll do fine. What do you remember about that week for you? It seems like it's be hard to relax. You got Tiger, the host, with the most. You got all these interview requests. You know, what was that week like for you? Yeah. So yeah, it was it, it, it was a lot. You know, you have you have a media request. Uh, you know, you're playing in pro ams. You know, you have a lot going on, but you just have to uh, you try to get in your own bubble after. You know, once you get on the golf course and just try to relax as much as you can because it's not like a typical tournament where you have media requests and people wanting to talk to you here and there and being pulled in a bunch of different directions. But other than that, um, at the end of the day, you just got there and just try to try to make birdies. We have watched you chase this dream for a long time, Tim. What were the emotions like in December when you finally broke through at PGA Tour Champions Q School? Oh, I had all the emotions that you could probably have. But, you know, Q, Q School's never easy. Um, Champions Tour School is probably the hardest school to get through. Only five spots available. Um, you know, excitement, um, every emotion that you could probably think of, I probably had it. But being able to uh, finish it off those last two rounds, the way I played the last two days, um, and to get status was meant a lot. And knowing that I could do it, I always believed in myself that I could do it. But being able to pull it off uh, meant the world to me. And and for people that believed me that I could do it. And now I'm here with full status and ready to go. What has the welcome been like from your peers on PGA Tour Champions? Some of them familiar 
with your journey as you embark on this new chapter? Oh, everyone's been super nice. Um, you know, some of the guys I've known from playing, you know, Corn Ferry Nationwide Tour. So a lot of guys, uh, you know, come up to me, you know, congratulate me from how I played in Q School and glad to see me out here. What is it going to be like this season? Now you have an opportunity to play a full set schedule on the PGA Tour Champions. I can imagine that's a little bit different than what you've had the last few years. How is it going to change your attitude, if at all? Yeah, uh, last few years had no status. So, yeah, this definitely changes everything for me, being able to set my schedule um, and, you know, kind of plan out where I'm going to be and, and just – just getting ready to play some of these great golf courses and play against some of the best players in the world. So it's going to be, you know, I don't really know what to expect. I just want to go out there and, and uh, play my game and and uh, hopefully get a win somewhere down the road. Tim, you're in Naples for the first time. I want to wish you the best of luck this week. There's a wonderful you know, street, Fifth Avenue. they got wonderful restaurants. Sales is my favorite restaurant in Naples. I'm just uh, sharing that if you want to go have a nice meal. Best of luck this week, man. Thank you. I have to go check that out. Um, and, and I appreciate you guys for having me on. All right. Tim O'Neill, member of PGA Tour Champions. Coming up next, a youngster. How about Jack Wall, Texas Tech? Already having quite the week, winning the Collegiate Showcase at Riv. And yesterday, hanging out with Tiger Woods, Marcus Burr. We got Jack next. What a couple weeks for the Red Raiders. There's the leaderboard now. Jack Wall, 71 with Alex Goff, but able to get it done in that playoff. And then when you when you do a lot of cool things, you know, Tiger Woods likes to kind of take a little notice of it and say, hey, great to meet Marcus and Jack. Marcus being Marcus Burr, the Charlie Siffer Memorial Exemption, and now Jack Wall, the winner of the Collegiate Showcase. And Tiger saying, hey, you know, I got my start at Riv in 92, and nice to have some young people early in their careers. And I believe we have Jack Wall joining us right now. Congratulations. I want to begin with that veranda, though. You got Tiger hanging out. You're rubbing elbows with him and Marcus Bird. A lot of jealous people saw that, Jack. What was it like? One, one unbelievable experience. Uh, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. And, you know, to meet arguably the best golfer of all time and hang out with him a little bit was really special. Jack, I went through your resume this morning. You've had some big moments in your college career and certainly as an amateur. But go back to Monday about that finish. You finished birdie eagle. Talk about the emotions. Talk about the thought process. What did you learn about yourself? Uh, just to stay focused. Uh, you know, finished regulation and good par on nine. And uh, goal was just to stay focused, uh, stay present, and uh, just execute on, on my golf shots. And, uh you know, I could be happy with any result, but, you know, finishing off Bird Eagle was, was really special and, you know, so glad to be here for the rest of the week. Jack, I want to talk about the short par 4 10th. It's the Aeon risk-reward hole. How did you play it in regulation and the playoff? This is one of the most vaunted, revered short par 4s in all the world. How did you play it in the playoff and in regulation? Uh, I hit driver both times, and uh, I think it's a great play. Just kind of hit it down the left side there. And, uh, you know, I was in the trees both times and got pretty lucky, fortunate breaks uh, to be able to have a shot and just had a pretty straightforward pitch from there and uh, made a nice putt uh, in the playoff to, to birdie uh, 10 and have that hole. So I think driver's the play there. Uh, you just need a good break if you get it in those trees. 
but it's a pretty straightforward pitch. We just went down the winners of the collegiate showcase the last few years, the likes of Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler and Sahith Tagala, all of these great names now on the PGA Tour. What does it mean to see your name alongside theirs? It's so special. You know, I've been looking up to these guys for, uh, for the last few years, and uh, my brothers actually played collegiate golf with them as well. So I've always seen their name, and now they're off doing great things on the, on the tour and, you know, a lot of wins and to see them doing that. And hopefully, uh, you know, my turn is next and I can be out there with them in a couple years uh, as a PJ Tour member. That would be really special to me and something I've been uh, striving for for my whole life. So, you know, to kind of be a part of that uh, group is, is really special and unique to me. Well, speaking of people to look up to, you're a Texas Tech Red Raider. So was Patrick Mahomes, now a two-time Super Bowl champ. How much of his influence remains on the athletic department in Lubbock, Texas? It's huge. You know, uh, Pat is, is a huge role model for, for everybody at Texas Tech, and he re represents uh, Red Raider Nation uh, very proudly, and uh, he does a great job. And everybody, every sport, you know, looks up to him, and he's the benchmark uh, for success and, you know, hard work in, in any sport. So he's a really special guy. And to see him accomplish what he did, um, especially being a little bit injured, it looked like, uh, in the Super Bowl, to see him accomplish that was really special. You talked about how special this is for you to be able to play this week. What kind of a reaction have you gotten from your friends back in Lubbock? And what would you be doing if you didn't win that playoff? Uh, I'd probably be back in class actually uh, probably hanging out with the guys playing some ping pong in the in the clubhouse and you know hanging out and, and but glad glad I'm here and playing this week and uh, but you know received a lot of friendly texts and uh, they've shown so much support and I'm so thankful for the, the whole team and both my coaches and you know it's just been so awesome to go through into an experience and to have them you know by my side is so so special. Well, you're standing there because you have tons of game. You've talked about wanting to be on the PGA Tour. Where can you get better? I uh, can definitely make more putts. That wouldn't hurt. Uh, on Monday, hit it really well. Could have made a few more putts, but uh, that's something we'll, we'll continue to work on. And hopefully, you know, in the future and, you know, this week, I can see a few more go in and uh, put some good numbers on the board. Well, you made all the right putts in winning the Collegiate Showcase. Congrats on that. Best of luck this week at Genesis. We'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thank you.